Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues. When it's late at night, I record like it's NPR. Hi, my name is Steve Lippman. Uh, I am with my good friends, Emily Cannell and Dan Volpone. Emily, first question is for you. As the doctor on the podcast, oh my I have God. a medical question. That is correct. So Incorrect. Al- allergies have been killing me lately. It's been a- I can hear it in your voice. Okay, a little rude. Allergies <laughs> have been killing me lately, and I am absolutely injecting nasal spray. Is there a risk to my current or future health for ingesting this much nasal spray? Uh, You can just run with that. As someone who is not a doctor and Mm. has no medical expertise Mm. in this area, I say that I think it's fine. You think it's fine? Yeah. Okay, Dan, do you have a non-medical opinion? Yeah, I think you should just do whatever makes you happy. I really appreciate that. Um, speaking of, uh, I don't know if I would say happy, but uh, the Sixers just won on a Ben Simmons buzzer beater in overtime. Uh, they played the Spurs, and the Spurs were short, I think, four starters. Um, the Sixers went 4 0 this week. They beat Oklahoma City, Atlanta twice, and the Spurs. Uh, most of those teams, if not, every single one of those games, the other team was not interested in winning. It seems like this is what's happening around the league right now is that teams are just not really giving a shit about winning except for the top teams in the conferences who are jockeying for playing, whatever. Uh, This game was a slog. We can just talk first about this game. Um, This game is not good. Joel had, I think 35 at the end of the game, but nobody, it looked like the Sixers were really sleepwalking through this one. Whereas in the other three games, they turned it on for like eight minutes straight and just killed those teams and then didn't have to play heavy minutes. But in this one, Sixers had to play a bunch of minutes and they have a, another road back-to-back tomorrow uh, in Chicago, which I hope they just rest everybody for. I, like, just don't screw around. This is, this is a very packed stretch. Uh, Dan, let me get your immediate reaction to this game, the buzzer beater, and the Sixers beating the vaunted san antonio spurs and kelton johnson what do you think yeah i mean it it wasn't a good game i don't think anyone would say that the sixers had a good game but they won and it was an important win and and they're you know it's near the end of the regular season um you know they've been dealing with 
playing teams who weren't particularly interested the last few nights. They have guys who have played a lot of games this year who are coming back from injury still relatively. So um, you take a win here. I mean, they did, yeah, it sucked. I, I'm so glad we didn't get a double overtime. So thank goodness, oh. Ben. Thank goodness, Ben tipped that in. It was a really nice tip to end the game. Um, and these games happen. I feel like we, we've almost come to take this year for granted. And and I'm not sure how much I buy into the whole like, you know, like this year is going to be completely different all the time, right? Like the Sixers are better. Um, but, but, you know, I think a lot of it is also that, that, you know, just they've, they've had so few games like this and that's the difference. They've had so few games where it's like, even a win feels bad, you know, yeah. a win feels like they didn't play well. And I don't want to, I don't want to be unappreciative of the fact that like there have been very few games like this, like almost every game it's felt like the Sixers have really brought it, which is rare, not just for like the Sixers coming off of last year, just, but just like any team to have so few nights where it's rough and and to be able to pull out a win in one of those few nights and a win to take the lead in, in the conference when it's absolutely essential that they have the one seed in this conference because their path of the two seed would be awful. Um, I think that it's a good win and I, and I refuse to complain about it as hard as it was to watch at times because it was a really important win. I think that is a good perspective and you're right. You know, they won the game, which is, they just had to do the, the subtext of course, is that Brooklyn lost today for the first time this season, actually. And the Sixers took a half game lead with this win um, for first place. So that was very good. I want to send a quick mazel tov to Reese Hoskins who just hit a home run. That must be so fun. Um, Emily. <laughs> Uh, what is his hundredth home run? I think. Yeah, I think that was number one hundred this year. Yeah. Um, Emily, how do you feel uh, after that Sixers win? Um, I my perspective on my whole evening has really like shifted in the past fifteen seconds <laughs> because <laughs> at a point I was miserable. I was like, sports are misery. I hate everything. Like the Sixers and the Phillies, because I was flipping, had them both on. They were melting down at the exact same moment. The Sixers were down by two, and the bases were loaded, and we were walking people in the Phillies. And I was like, this is torture, like literal torture. But now everything might come out roses, so sports are great. I love Philadelphia. Um, But overall, like Dan said, like these bad wins are going to happen. They just kind of like took their foot off the – slightly depressed gas at the end like they were just holding like a coasting on a 10-point lead and then they let these like young guys get some confidence and they just let up a little bit um it was fine Joel played great Tobias and Ben looked horrible mm-hmm. Seth Curry couldn't miss which was very fun he was just like lights out from three which was cool and I hope he stays hot yeah um and I loved when Joel was so happy that Ben tipped that ball in and I think it was mostly so he didn't have to play any more basketball tonight. Mm-hmm. But I like to think it was also he was happy for his friend. Um, yeah, we should. Speaking of Ben, um, I uh, was running the Liberty Ballers account tonight and I tweeted from it uh, with like two minutes left in overtime that if not for optics, I would bet that Doc might want to go with George Hill instead of Simmons at this point because. In crunch, Simmons didn't do anything on offense all game. His defense was very good, especially at the end of the game. Um, 
but he, he was pretty terrible offensively. Didn't really do much of anything. And I think he was maybe two of seven, two of six from free throw, something like that. Um, then there's two, couple, two of six from the field, one of five from the line. Great. Um, then a couple of minutes later, Simmons takes, uh, I believe, two charges and a lot of responses to my original tweet, like SMH, imagine thinking this. And maybe they wouldn't have needed those charges if he had decided to play offense during the game. One small point. Um, does he have a black eye? What do we think about the black eye? Because it sure looks like a ring under his eye. Um, I don't know. It's hundred percent a black eye. Right. So I don't. I mean, that could very easily have happened in practice. You just have think that would come up on the injury report. But anyway, you know, the we're Simmons, back to misery on the Phillies. By the way, it was a ground rule double, not a home run. They re, now it's eight seven, and we're not tied. Oh, that's the worst. Wow. Yeah, we're back to misery. I just since I said how happy I was, I feel like I needed to update everyone. Tomorrow Thank morning, so everyone much. will know what happened. But and I take back my congratulations. My ground rule double, not as cool. Um, the other thing about Simmons, and yeah, it was not it, number one hundred. However, no. We saw it with the buzzer beater is that he does make plays when you need somebody to make a play. You know, he gets the loose balls. He, he's incredibly smart and he's a great defender. It is also hard to keep him off the court that way. But this is like the everlasting conundrum with Ben is that, you know, in the half court offense, sometimes he can really gum things up for you. Um, but in a play like this, where MB just rimmed out a shot and Simmons was there at the perfect time, you're very happy you had him. So, it was pretty emblematic of like Simmons career so far, I think. Um, Emily, where do you come down on that at the end of a game with Simmons? I mean, obviously he's going to play. So that's sort of moot, but like, did you find yourself wishing that they just put a regular guard in there at times? Yeah, I kind of had like, I don't think it would have hurt them to pull like the Matisse move they had called the timeout to take Matisse out of the game and like take back like Ben was great on defense just take Ben out of the game for there like he's not going to take a, a jumper at any point to like if the shot clock is running down like I mean it worked out for them but I mean there could be better options like who so were all the starters out at the end is that what it was it was all the starters yeah like it, I would have just all the starters I could have taken like some fur con for Ben, like someone who can hit a jumper of some sort ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, that I think is a, probably a big deal, uh, within like agencies and, and closed Over. doors. Yeah. So sure. I think, I think that that would be a big, big issue, which is why it has never happened, you know, and, and why it doesn't happen. Dan, um, where do you land on that? Because you did see both ends of it. You know, you saw Simmons making things really hard on offense and you saw him make some, you know, extremely important plays, including the one that won the game. So what do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that out. I think that, um, I mean, I think, first of all, I think, you know, we, it's easy to say like, what about, you know, if it wasn't for the optics and the agencies and stuff, but, you know, it is a reality that those things are important. Um, and I think even if you, even if they're not important, I would have him in because you want to have your best players in at the end of the mm -hmm. game um, to, to say, you know, you know, Ben is the guy who, who you would think would step up more so than you have, you would have more confidence in him 
you know, even in a bad night, making a big play than George Hill. Right. I don't think I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, it's like ridiculous, but, you know, I think, I think it's the thought that everyone's had, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to come at you about anything that you tweeted on the account um, because, you know, offensively it can, you know, there were even games, you know, last year with like when, when Neto or Burke would have a good game and it's like, those guys stink, but it's mm-hmm. like, if you have a guy who can just like have this kind of solid night, but consistently, you know, a, a solid Trey Burke night, but a guy who does that all the time, which there's so many players who do that. The offense looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Ben can be frustrating in that regard. I, I would have still had him in, um, especially I think, you know, for good reasons that, you know, we can, we can easily just dis- disregard doc had to have a bit. Um, yeah. I think, I think the one thing that's, that's just a little frustrating is like the degree to which we've not we on this podcast, but as a Sixers, I guess, community have basically discounted the importance of his counting stats. You know, he's, he had five, six and five tonight. And he was mm-hmm. at, he was at, and that's an overtime in 35 minutes. He was at three, five and five before that tip in. Um, and, and that's not, you know, one bad counting stat night, you know, he's, at, he's averaging 14.7 points coming into this game. So all of these numbers are going to be low, but I'll, I'll read some up. He had 15.8 his rookie year, 16.9 his second year, 16.4 last year. He's down to 14.7 this year, way below his previous career low. Assists is what we all talk about with Ben. He had 8.2 his rookie year, 7.7 his second year, 8 last year. He's at 7 this year, a flat 7. So, again, way below his career high. He's, he's, or sorry, way below his previous career low. He's below his previous career low in rebounds. In steals, he's above his career low, but below his career average, and he's half a steal less than last year per game. And he's right on his career average for blocks. And, you know, there's a point to be made if, you know, the Sixers are basically, you know, a million times better with him on the floor. And they're obviously better in games when he plays. I'm not saying that. But there are lineups without him that look good that if you add him to that, he might, you know, cram him up a little bit. I think this idea that he makes everybody universally better is not backed up in in the box score stats. Like, you know, the on-off stats is not backed up in the box score. It's not backed up in the advanced stats. And he's a great defender. He's a really talented player. Even offensively, when he's frustrating, I would 100% have him on the court. But I, I don't like that we've lowered our expectations so far. I think that there's something indicative of his numbers being this low. And Tobias has fallen off a little bit. And I, I want to see Ben step up now and, and say, I can, I can take a little bit more responsibility in offense because I know he's capable. I know he can do it. Um, that's, again, that's why I have him on the floor. He made a great play to end the game. I don't want it to act like this is all negative because he really stepped up, like you said. You know, this isn't like a Ben Simmons hate thing I'm trying to go on, but I just think that we, like, he needs to, and I'm, I don't know what the coaches are doing behind closed doors, and I don't expect him to say anything in the media, but for the fans, it can't just be, like, there's, you know, everything is fine. It doesn't matter what he does. Nothing he does matters. Because it matters. It, it can't yeah. be, that it can't be a big shrug every time Ben Simmons does anything. So, there are, I think, two weeks left in the season. And, you know, obviously he's going he's gonna to do whatever he's going to do. And the Sixers, I think, have a really good chance to be first in the East. Um, we'll talk about, you know, where they stand and, and what they have ahead of them. 
but it's all going to come to head, come to a head in the playoffs. The whole Simmons thing. It's going to be like he either makes enough of those winning plays that because because the, the team can't win and get to the heights that they want to get to without Ben being good Ben. So it's like they'll need everybody. You know, we're not talking about Tobias. Tobias was really bad tonight, um, and he doesn't have near Simmons' impact on the game otherwise. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Both of those guys have been largely pretty good this year, uh, especially Tobias. And um, this was a game that I think they really sleepwalked through and, and they ended up uh, winning it. And I'm glad, but but again, they made it much harder than it should have been, especially with the stretch they have coming up just in terms of condensed games. The black guy, um, Emily, what's going on? Where did he get the black guy? I don't know. Maybe like he was playing with his dog because he has mm. really big dogs and like maybe it jumped He's got on his so face. Many dogs. Yeah. Because like I don't ever remember like a play in the Hawks games where like he got elbowed in the face or anything. I don't remember. Dan, do you have any theories? I like the dog theory. I think that's really cute. I think the dog theory is a good one. And he has so many that one of them is bound to give you a black eye. Yeah, I think they're not, not little dogs. They're big dogs. If not the dogs, I'm thinking Vincent Poirier because he was not happy. And I think maybe he came in to crack some heads and uh, he couldn't find Doc, who he hates now. And, uh, and he went to Ben. Um, Sixers are now a half game up of the, neck, of the Nets and they have, what is it? Does anybody know is it eight games left on the year that we've four this week and maybe four next week, something like that? Um, there's no way to know. Um, but uh, Give me one second. Go ahead. They have, checking. They have, so wait, were they? Yeah. Okay. So they're, they've played 64 games. So they, yeah, they have eight games left. Okay. So I want to know what you guys think happens from here. The hard part now is that the Sixers have five games in seven nights. Um, they're not against particularly difficult teams, but, and they really, except for Emily's wedding, they beat up on bad teams. The, the one day that they lost to a bad team was on Emily's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think happens? Do you think that, you know, the complicating thing is how condensed the games are. Brooklyn doesn't seem like they're dead set on like, you know, trying everything. Uh, do you think that they will, you know, successfully get the one seed? Would you rather rest people? You know, it's a very difficult balance. Like what would you rather do in order to get to the playoffs? Obviously you want the one seed, but it doesn't matter if they're not healthy. Um, Dan, what do you, want to happen in terms of like games played and rest and that kind of thing and what do you think will happen in the end from where we sit today yeah i mean i just think they're going to play their guys and i think they should um i don't think it's the time to to you know give guys a ton of rest i think you know you go for that first seed and you worry a lot less about the first round when you're playing you know someone from the from you know basically not miami you're playing Mm -hmm. the worst team to make it out of the play-in tournament um and, and I, I think that hopefully they can clinch. It's not like a last game of the season thing. I mean, they're not going to – they're going to be favorites in every game they have left. They're not really playing anyone good. Um, I'm not saying they'll win them all, although I, although I hope, obviously, that they do. Um, but Brooklyn has a tough schedule. Um, yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn plays Brooklyn, Milwaukee again. Uh, they play Milwaukee Tuesday, the next game. They still have Dallas, Denver, Chicago, San Antonio, Chicago, Cleveland. So – some easy games to end the year, but with Milwaukee and Denver, and, and Denver's been 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 looking good, so um, they definitely have some tough games left, much more than the Sixers do, and they're 
a game behind the loss column and they don't have the tiebreaker. The Sixers have the tiebreaker. So I would be, at this point, I don't want to jinx anything, so I'm knock on wood, but I'd be shocked if the Sixers could get the one seed. I would have been surprised anyway because I think that um, even before today where the Nets lost and the Sixers won, the Nets were, you know, a game up on the, or, or half a game up on the Sixers, but it was in the win column. And I'm looking at the Sixers, the rest of the schedule, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to pick them to lose any of those. Like they look yeah. like they could win all of these. And so, and so I, I, I still, you know, they were technically behind, but I'm looking at it like the Sixers have the tiebreaker and they're only behind the loss column when they're playing easy teams and, and, and playing these bad teams really well. So I was like, I think the Sixers are ahead and now they really are ahead. So I, I feel, I feel good about it. I think they need to play their guys until they clinch that one seed. And I, I do think that's what they'll do. Emily, what do you think? I agree. I don't think they're going to win out. I think they lose one of these next eight games, um, but I think it's still enough to get the one seed. And I think that that's important. I think our road in the playoffs is a lot easier with the one seed than the two seed. And I want the easier road. So um, I think that's the move. And I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I basically agree. The only thing that I'm thinking is, is tomorrow's game or, or Monday night's game. Uh, because they have to travel to Chicago and then uh, play immediately that night. It looks like Zach Levine won't play and, and uh, Vucevic might play. Um, I would like the Sixers' chances, even if they rest some guys. Um, and the only real question is Joel, and do they just give him game off? Um, so I might like to see that one for Joel and then have it be whatever, four games and six nights after that. Um, but it's tough. Uh, one person we haven't talked about lately is Tyrese Maxey, who has played a lot, a lot better lately after sort of falling out of the rotation. It looks like he has improved a ton in the season, which is really rare, especially for whatever he is, like a 20-year-old. Um, Doc Rivers was asked last week about Maxey, and he says that he doesn't know if Maxey will be in the regular playoff rotation, but he says, I have no doubt that he'll play in the playoffs. Um so it sounds like Maxi is going to get some minutes. You know, you would think if things are really slow out there, they might throw him in to just try to get to the rim a little bit. And then in terms of the rotation in itself, with George Hill here, uh, Mike Scott no longer with us. He is on the bench, not dead. He's uh, on the bench and not playing. Uh, Doc Rivers says that the plan when everybody is healthy is to go with Shake, George Hill, Matisse, Korkmaz, and Dwight as the bench unit like you did today. What's your reaction to all that stuff, including Maxi and and the lack of Mike Scott, Emily? Well, if he is planning on playing Maxi in the playoffs, it sounds like Doc is planning to blow teams out in the playoffs, which there sounds go. good to me. Um, but <laughs> I hope in he's not of, planning to get blown out. I hope, right, I hope no, that it's yours. <laughs> yeah, although it's mine. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed Maxi in those Chicago games. I, I'm not Chicago, Jesus, Atlanta games. Um, I just thought he was really fun in both of those games. And I thought that he played really well. And he, it was, it, it was a good, like, gauge of his potential, I think, and what he could bring to this team if he just, you know, gets a little older and more seasoned and more consistent. Um, so it was fun. But yeah, I liked, I liked the bench five that you said. And then when we blow people out, we can put in Maxi and, and B-Ball Paul and Ray John Tucker and mm -hmm. Mason Jones. And I think that's everyone. 
Yeah, you know, this week had a lot of blowouts uh, for the Sixers, and it was just so fun to see our guys getting in there. And, you know, in the second Atlanta game, B-Ball Paul had a great dunk in transition, and Joel was rolling around on the ground, which Fantastic. is a, a really hilarious way to react to something. Uh, Dan, what do you got on the rotations and Tyrese and all that? Yeah, I, I like what I like what they they went with tonight um, in terms of rotation. I I like how Max has been playing. I think it's been encouraging after he struggled for a bit, um, and I do think he'll be a good player. But for this year, you know, last eight games of the regular season, when you want to start getting your rotation to get some time together to be comfortable together, and, and you ultimately, you know, this end up being your playoff rotation. I think this is the way to go. I mean. You know, these, you know, five guys off the bench are not all going to play on any given playoff game. But if he's going to be your regular five who are regularly getting minutes, I mean, I think that George Hill has to be in there. And then when you, when you look at Shake, you know, they're not going to play three guards off the bench. And so you look at it and, you know, if it's Shake versus Maxi, I mean, Shake, Shake at his best is at this point in their career is a lot better than Maxi. He's going to give you a lot more than Maxi can. And Shake at his worst if you put him in and he looks like this game where he's at his worst, you don't play him. It's the playoffs and you don't have to. Right. So, so I think, you know, with, with regards to that, I, there, there's really no reason to have, you know, Maxi become a regular part of this rotation when, when, when you have these guys ahead of him who are a little, well, Hill's a lot older, shakes a little older. And, and I, I would, I think that, you know, if you're in a playoff series, shake is, has a better chance to give you like a, a real big boost in the game where he's, he's a better shooter still. He can come in and hit shots. And, um, and when he's on, he's like, he's really on. He can at his best be a really solid passer. Um, nothing like, you know, Ben or even an above average initiator in the league, but for the Sixers standards, really, really fine off the bench. And so, um, I think that he has to be ahead of him, especially because you're at a point where if he doesn't have it, you can just cut the rotation down that night. Yeah. I feel totally fine about the bench. Like I feel like there's enough stuff on the bench. There's like Matisse, who's a defensive stopper who might play 30 minutes in a random playoff game if he's on. And, you know, I, I think the bench is totally fine. And I think if the Sixers don't win the East, it will be because they don't get enough from the non-Joel guys you know, or Joel has a bad series, something, you know, I think it'll matter. What will matter will be the top guys and how they perform. I'm not, I don't think they're going to be undone by like the bench alone, you know? Like I said, I don't think they have, yeah, I don't look at them and like, oh, they're weak here, they're weak there, right? They have, they have a good starting lineup and they have a good bench. And if they lose, which, you know, I, I don't think they're like necessarily the favorites to win the title. So if they lose, it, it doesn't even necessarily mean that anyone played bad. It just means that they don't have the top end talent that someone like Brooklyn has, or possibly a team like Milwaukee has. And I, and I, it's almost, you know, it would, it would feel like it's a shame to after such a good year where so many guys played really well, guys we didn't even necessarily expect to play well from like Tobias all the way on down to like Furcon, you know, to, or, and even Matisse who wasn't in the rotation to start the year. Like it'd be a shame to like, try to point figure, fingers and be like someone wasn't good enough. And if they, if they, if that's the case, right. Like if, especially if like one of Ben Joel and Tobias has a horrible series or something and we lose, like that's fair. But if it's just, we play one of those teams and they have to be more talented, like 
I don't I don't want to go down that road where we're just like getting mad at everybody. Like I think it's a real question for the offseason, but like I feel good about like how this team has done and how how deep they are. Yeah, I agree. Um speaking of the bench, uh Furkan was asked in, in Turkish recently. This is Surgeon, Surgeon Kumas on Twitter, uh about whether or not he wants to stay with the Sixers, Furkan's going to be a free agent this offseason. Uh, he said, I've been here for four years. I look at Philly as my home, but the season isn't over and there are the playoffs. I'm going to experience free agency. Of course, I want to stay in Philly. Um, do you guys want Furkan back? Um, and what is the largest contract that you would like the Sixers to give Furkan, Dan? I would be happy to have Furcon back. Um, I'm not sure how likely it is. I I don't know. I honestly have no idea what, how people view him value-wise around the league and, and what he'll be offered. Um, I wouldn't want to bring him back if it means you're putting yourself in a position to not pursue someone else who you like a lot and think is a good fit. I still view Furcon as a guy who can get hot. I think he's a really improved defender. Like mm-hmm. he, especially like, I feel like he's had really good hands the second half of the season, just like, you know, getting some steals and, and deflecting, deflecting some balls. Um, and I've been really impressed by that. Um, I do think though that he's not a guy who needs to be back. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be happy to have him back if the contract was right. And, um, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the right contract is. Um, especially, you know, the Sixers are, you know, they're not, they're, they're not in a position where they're going to be like pursuing a max guy or anyone even close to that. Um, they're obviously limited in that way. And so if that means you can bring Furcon back, you know, then that's great, but I, I wouldn't make it a huge priority. I think that if there's another guy who Daryl really likes, I would not be, you know, I, I'd be obviously, I'm basically sad to see anyone go because I, especially the, the lower on the bench guys, because they're always very endearing when they come in and play well and give you something you didn't necessarily expect. But um, I wouldn't be like heartbroken or like mad and think it's an awful move to not bring Furcon back if, you know, there's someone else out there that we want. But if, if it is the move, if that's the right move to, to bring him back, I think that, you know, he's had a really solid year and worked himself into the playoff rotation. And I'd be excited about it. I'd be, you know, that'd be, That'd be a really fun re-signing. He's still so young. Is he? He's so, I think he, I want to say, and let me look this up for a second to double check it. But I younger than you? uh, No, he's older than me. I want, I think, I'm pretty sure. I think he's 23. Furkan is 23 years old. So Shake is 24. He's younger than Shake. He's younger than Matisse, I want to say. I believe Matisse is 24 as well. Um, And so, um, yeah, Matisse is 24. And it feels like Furkan's been here forever. Like you said, like he was, you know, he's been here four years and he was drafted. He was the third, he was drafted the same year as Ben, right? It was that they had three first round picks that year and they um, they took Ben first overall. They took Timotei Luau Cabarro 24th mm-hmm. and they took Furkan 26. And so in that way, it feels like Furkan is really old, you know? Yeah. And he's not, he's 23 still. He's a young guy. He's a young guy. Um, 
Yeah, I, I would be happy to have him back. The in-house replacement of Isaiah Joe, I think, is probably going to matter here because he's a similar player who's getting paid basically nothing for another like three years. So I think that that'll probably complicate things as well. Emily, where are you at with uh, with Furkan and, and would you like him back? Yeah, of course, I'd like him back. I never want anyone to leave. I'm very attached to everyone. Um, but I do think that if I had to bet on whether he'd be here next year, I would put more money on no, just yeah. because, like you said, the Isaiah Joe of it all. And also, if the Sixers make a deep run in the playoffs, if Furkan has a Furkan game, you know, some team who's like the in the 10 spot right now is going to probably overpay for a shooter and the Sixers are potentially not in the spot that they need to hold on to him when we have a deep bench like we do. The Bulls are going to hand him $10 million a year. Right, right, exactly. Um, you know, so where we're at here is that the Sixers had a really good week. They beat up on teams that they should beat up on. Uh, they have eight games left, and uh, if they take care of business, they'll be the number one seed. Did we learn anything this week? And is there anything that we can learn for the rest of the regular season? The more I watch this stuff, the more I think, honestly, no. Like, I think it's good for them to play together. I think it's good for them to, you know, gel. I think that the Sixers starting lineup is now 23 and four in the year, which is great. And they've been just really great together. And I think them knowing how to gel together is important. But other than that, I don't think that, you know, there are no, like, statement games on the on the uh schedule from here on out and you can zoom out and say that the Sixers were really good this year and hopefully you can say that they were the number one seed and that's great but from here on out I think it's just like win the games that are in front of you and stay healthy for the playoffs because so many teams are not trying at this point which I feel like they were trying to avoid with the play-in tournament but I don't, I don't I think that it's also such a condensed schedule and a weird year that teams are prioritizing health too um, I, I really, uh, personally, I, I don't think so. Emily, do you think there's anything else really to be learned from the regular season or, or is it more of that? Yeah, I don't think there's anything else to be learned. We've seen these guys play together a lot. We know that they're good when they play together, mostly. Um, we know what like our bench rotations are looking like. I don't know that anyone is really like fighting for a spot or like jockeying for a spot. We kind everything's pretty solid. So it's more like, let's get into the playoffs in the one seed and as healthy as we can. I know like people were getting hurt tonight. I know like there were Celtics that got hurt tonight. Mm -hmm. There was a bunch of injuries I saw like coming across the timeline. So like if we can just stay healthy, knock on wood and get into the playoffs I think we know who this team is more than maybe a lot of other teams know who know like who they are and I think that's a benefit to us yeah I mean I just said that the Sixers are 23 and 4 so they played 27 games together the starting five and obviously Brooklyn has seven so you know a lot of teams are having that sort of thing Dan what do you think no I mean I don't think there's really anything to be learned I I I wish I could say I felt like we know a ton about this team. Um, I think that one we can confidently say that when they're healthy, you know, the the main guys do click together really well, which is mm -hmm. huge. I think that that's a huge deal because I don't I don't think that it's if one of their main guys is out long term. If you know if they if they have a two week injury in the middle of the playoffs, I think they're screwed. But 
I think most teams are, you know, basically anyone from Brooklyn probably is. Um, and I think that, you know, yes, it's, it's bad that if, you know, there's a one game thing where it's like Joel can't play this one game or, or, or any of those guys. And then, yeah, that's rough. And that could, that could be a problem. Um, and I think those, that's the biggest thing we learned that they're really dominant together and they really don't handle a game out well. Uh, or, or a game with with at least one of those guys out well, one of those one of their best three. Um, but if we're looking at the playoffs, I'm not sure how much we know. You know, I, I we we haven't played the top teams at at full strength. You know, M- Milwaukee kicked our ass this year, and we had no one playing. And we, you know, we had the tiebreaker over Brooklyn because we mostly beat them, but they had no one playing. They beat us in one of the games when they had no one playing, mm-hmm. and so. I, I wish I could say, and this isn't like a, this isn't even a Sixers critique, you know, that they, you know, we don't know about these Sixers. I don't think we've gotten a chance to learn about many teams because, you know, teams are arresting guys. Guys have been hurt. Guys have been sick with COVID. Guys have been, you know, we've had a lot of injuries. And, um, but, and I, and I think for the most part, it's been like, maybe this is more due to COVID, but it's like been more than usual. I feel like a lot of times like a guy gets hurt here and a guy gets hurt there. And then, you know, you, you miss a game or two here. Um, but we've had this year, I think, you know, more than usual, this guy's and this guy's out two weeks and these guys are out five games and every team is running into teams because of the protocols and, and COVID where, you know, they're playing games where neither team is at full strength. And there've been so few games where either team is, where, you know, where both teams are at full strength. Um, and, and that's not just the Sixers, that's Brooklyn, that's, that's, you know, Milwaukee, that's everybody, you know? So it's not like the Sixers are at some kind of disadvantage in this way, but I'm so eager to see these games played in the playoffs, you know, where, where you know, where, where you have games where it's like, Ben was sick, could he have played here? You know, could we have, could he have, you know, um, could he have fought through it in a way where you would never want him to in the regular season? but maybe he would be able to, or like, you know, you know, Joel or Tobias has a bad knee, but maybe they could play that game and and would in the playoffs. And, and I want to see those games, you know, I, because those are going to happen. Guys are going to be hurt. Guys are going to, you know, have non COVID sicknesses that, that they're going to be, you know, game time decisions for. And that's what I'm, you know, really excited to see is like finally get to see these teams at full strength. I think all three are like the, you know, of the three teams I see having a chance in the East are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, like really, really good. And so the, we should have some really great series ahead of us, but I, I for the rest of the year, I really don't see anything to do. I, I think that it's basically going to be more of the same, you know, this year's going to play teams that are resting guys because they're bad and missing the playoffs and they don't want guys to get hurt or they already have guys hurt or guys are sick or mm-hmm. the Sixers have, it's all of it. And it's been all year. And, and I, I don't think there's anything left to know this year other than that the Sixers had a really successful year and they faced the same obstacles as ever, everyone and they arguably overcame them better than anyone. I mean, they're going to yeah. be in this one seed almost definitely and, and that's a big deal. But in these last eight games, just got to get through them and hope everyone stays healthy. Yeah. Um, Dan, in the rundown here, we have a thing about Dinwiddie. You tell me, is there a new report that uh, Spencer Dinwiddie might be healthy for Brooklyn soon? So that's, they've been saying that, um, <clears throat> he said that actually, um, and let me, let me see if I can pull something up. Um, maybe I can, I can read a quote here. I didn't, um, 
here we go. So this is this is from a week ago from Hoopsite. This is April 22nd. Um, so this is an article from hoopsite.com. And here we have, uh, Nets don't rule out Spencer Dinwiddie returning this season. Um, Sean Marks says he's talked to Spencer Dinwiddie, as has the performance team. He's progressing well in LA. I would never bet against Spencer Dinwiddie. I guess that's what Sean Marks said to Alex Schiffer. Um, doesn't rule out a return, but the primary concern is his health. Any kind of return will be heavily evaluated. Um, and it seems like, you know, it's not necessarily, I, I, I wouldn't know what odds I would put on it because there's so little reporting on it, but it's definitely not something you can count out. Um, hypothetically, if he came back, I'm sure he'd be on some kind of minutes restriction. Um, yeah. But he's been saying, this is before last week, he's been saying he thinks he can come back. Um, and so I think that would be a big deal for them um, if he were able to. And, and you know, they already have a, a really good bench, but he would be, you know, a huge addition to that. Um, I think that that would be really tough if he if he came back. That's just another, another weapon they have. Um, but I guess, you know, for you guys, hypothetically say, you know, he's coming back and maybe he comes back in the conference semis and has a series under his belt and we get a Sixers-Nets series in the conference finals where Dinwiddie, I mean, he's going to come off the bench anyway. So, you know, maybe he has a, he's a, his cap of like 20 minutes a game. Does that scare you guys more? I mean, obviously we're, we're already, I don't want to, I hate to use the word scare because it sounds yeah, like yeah. It sounds you're backing down or something, but the Nets are, the Nets are really good. Does that worry you more than you already would be about a net series with regards to, you know, the Sixers being able to pull that kind of upset off? Um, I overall would be surprised if he came back because he's a ball handler. Like it feels like if a guy's going to come back in the middle of a playoff run, it's usually like a plug and play guy who is more in the mold of like a Jay Crowder, a Gidala. But if we're assuming he's back, I, that would not be good. For the Sixers, he killed the Sixers. I, I, I don't know if that bears out. I think his career high still against the Sixers, right? He yeah, had that forty-point game. I think he kills us. I mean, I, I would still think that if we lose to Brooklyn in the playoffs, it's because they have Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving, and and you know they also have good role players. Blake Griffin looks like he's twenty-five. It's great. I love it. Um, oh my god! Did you see that dunk today? Yeah, it's great. I really appreciate. Oh, it. so annoying. Yep. Um. So yeah, I don't. I, you know, I hope that he is having a happy time. He's a big crypto guy. He's probably had a lot of fun with whatever is happening with that these days. Um, NFTs, big, sh big. What's that app? Big Shot. Hot the, uh, that's it. Um, I'm an investor. <laughs> I wish him. I wish him. Big all shot. Those. I hope he just gets ready for next year. Emily, what about you? Would you? How would you feel about that? I mean, I, I, I don't want to have to play Spencer Dinwiddie, mm -hmm. but like, like you said, I don't think he is the tipping point. I think if the Sixers are going to lose that series, it's not going to be because of him and they're going to win it despite him, no matter what, it just would be like another mountain that we have to climb of the Brooklyn Nets. Right. I mean, and you know, if somebody's taking an open shot off of one of their stars, I'd rather it be Bruce Brown than, than Dinwiddie. And you can clip this for when Bruce Brown hits a game winner over the Sixers. So that's a lot of fun. Um, 
Uh, we've something in here about Dwight's rebounding. I just love Dwight. I've had a great time with the Dwight experience. He's had 15 technicals. I wouldn't take back any of them. I think they were great. Um, his rebounding, I remember I, talking to Adio on Out of Sight before the year, and I was saying that, you know, Dwight has a very limited offensive game, but what he does do is he earns you extra possessions with his offensive rebounding. And tonight he had a very good game. I think he had 12 and 10 or, or something like that. Um, Emily, what, what have you thought about Dwight as we're coming close to the end of the year? Clearly he has not been a negative in the locker room. Like I think we were worried about, you know, uh, he had a great year last year with LA, but uh, I think some of us were worried that outside of a LeBron team, he would revert to what he used to be. But um, you know, looking back on the first regular season with Dwight, how do you feel? I'm very grateful for his presence. He is a delight on and off the court. Um, yeah, I, I am one of those people that like loves like chaotic play. And I feel like he's like the epitome of just like chaotic play, mm -hmm. like the technicals and the rebounds and just like being so large and just like the shit talk, like just everything. He's just like, he kind looks of, he's eight feet tall. He's like chaos personified too. Like he, I wouldn't, like you said, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I can't think of a better backup center that I would rather have. Um, so yeah, more Dwight Howard, please. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you've talked about how people's complaints about Dwight usually amount to them being like, well, we need a backup center that can switch on defense and block shots and shoot threes and shoot in the mid range. And you're like, that's a $15 million player. So, uh, I think that this has been a very pro Dwight podcast. How do you feel looking back on his first regular season? Almost. Yeah. I'm yeah, I, I, I like Dwight. I, I understand why he frustrates people. Mm -hmm. um, but when we if we're going to do the thing where it's like, you know, and, and I don't, you know, want to like, again, get back to this, but like, there's the, the thing that is said a lot, you know, and we're probably, people probably say this listening to our podcast, where they're like, you know, people um, only want to focus on what Ben is, Ben is not good at, and they don't want to appreciate what he's good at. Um I feel a lot better doing that about a guy on the league minimum. You know, I, I love, I feel like I can say that about Dwight. And yeah, Dwight is, you know, bad at way more things than Ben is. Um, but I'm, I'm okay for a guy like this to say, but look at what he's good at. Yes, he's, you know, a kind of ridiculous sometimes. And, and, you know, he's the technicals and he has some really bad games. Um, but he is such a good rebounder. Um, and I don't think that that really gets talked about enough or appreciated enough. Um, he's not the perfect offensive fit, especially, you know, in the non-Joel business when he, when he, when he went Ben on the floor, but um, he's getting the extra possessions on offense. He's preventing extra possessions on defense. So, you know, we all know Dwight is a hall of famer. He's, you know, a, you could say he's a borderline top 10 center of all time. He was monstrous in his prime. I think he won, you know, defensive player of the year, like three straight years, he's, you know, a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight time all-star, um, former first overall pick. And he's, you know, he's getting towards the end of his career. He's averaging career high in offensive rebound percentage and defensive rebound percentage this wow. season, this season. And yeah, in other years he was, you know, he was taking on more of a role as a rim protector and he was taking on more of a role as a scorer and that, you know, that could take away from that. But I don't care. You know, he's been past his prime for a while now. And this year, 
He has a 17.4 offensive rebound percentage, a 35.5 defense rebound percentage, coming up to a 26.6 um, true rebounding percentage, or I'm sorry, total rebounding percentage. Um, and that is like by far, I don't feel like checking how long it's been since the Sixers mm-hmm. had that, but it's been a long time. It's it in the Joel Embiid era, no one approaches it. No one's within like six of that um, for a season. This year, the, the closest player is like almost ten away in terms mm-hmm. of uh, rebound in terms of total rebounding percentage. Um, and I'm not going back all these seasons to see it, but like, but we, you know, we had for years Joel was leading the team at like nineteen twenty, and he's mm-hmm. I think he's around like seventeen this year. Joel's at twenty six point six, and he's not playing the minutes he always played. He's not having the impact in other areas that he had when he was at his best. But I think it's a huge deal that you can bring him in and you know he's going to go for those rebounds. He fouls, he does other things. I'm fine with it. In limited minutes in the playoffs, I love that, you know, you're going to be able to put him in there and he's going to be able to give you that extra possession. He's going to be able to prevent that extra possession on defense. Um, I, I think he's by far the best backup center we've had in Joel's time here. And I'm really, I feel so good that we have him going forward. Me too. I, uh, I, I both also feel like he, he does all these like thousand technicals, but I also feel like he has played basketball long enough that he knows when to do that. And in a close game, he's not going to pull that shit because he, he knows that like it could change the tide of the game and so it's kind of like if they're you know we're up by 12 then he's like a little more loose but he yeah. knows to like tighten it up and like rein it in and just like kind of play more like flat and straight and then when he can really like amp up the Dwightness which it takes time to learn and I think because he's just like such a vet that he knows those kind of things and in the playoffs the playoffs are going to be almost all those times like I know everyone was like furious when he got thrown out when we didn't have like another center on the roster it was like yeah that's really annoying and it's like but he's you know in like you're like 17 or something ridiculous and he like you said like he he's not he's not going to do this in the playoffs like he's not gonna he might commit a million fouls but he's not going to take dumb technicals in a close playoff game it's just not going to happen like I, I i totally agree with you Right. And, and that's definitely what the team is betting on, too, is that that he is good enough and, and smart enough to not fuck around a ton in the playoffs, which I trust that he will. I mean, he had a very good playoff run with the Lakers, so I, uh, I'm sure that he knows what it takes at that point. A few non-Sixers things before we get to our predictions. Uh, Eagles draft, they got Devontae Smith, uh, and then right away... Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts, and then Brandon Graham was there. They went to a Sixers game. How do you guys feel about the Eagles draft? I'm thrilled with the Devontae Smith part, and um, we'll see about all the other guys, but I was I was very excited about that. Emily, what did you think? Yeah, it was great. I was trying to do the thing where I pretended it was like the golden ages, and I refused to get on Twitter until the Eagles picked, so I could mm-hmm. really like not be like, Woj bombed out of the surprise of it so it was very intense and fun and I screamed in my house and I was very excited that they didn't blow the pick now granted because everyone's happy (laughs) the person who got picked right after will probably be like the next Patrick Mahomes even though I know it's not a quarterback but Mm -hmm. um but no I was very happy I I guess I was like I bet you that he'll ring the bell at the Sixers game on Friday and I was right you nailed it. 
Wow. We have a knack for the calling the bell ringer sometimes. They should let us do it. They Probably should. Sure. Everyone would know who we were. Bebo Paul would have us come in there. He's a friend of the podcast. True. Um, Dan, how do you feel? Eagles draft. Yeah, well, I mean, I hate to, I hate to um, make Emily, you know, like nightmare come true here, but the, the next pick was Justin Fields. Oh, it was um, a quarterback. It was Justin yeah. Fields. The, the pick they traded out of wasn't a quarterback, but the next pick was. Um, That's right. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it will be that. But, no, I, I feel really good about it. I First of all, I would have been happy with Fields or Smith just because I don't watch a ton of college football because Pitt is not that good. And I watched the college football playoffs, so I at least got to, to see those guys play mm-hmm. um, of, of the guys that they might take there. So that was exciting, at least, that I've seen him play and seen him play really well. Um, but in you know, in a sense that actually matters, we had Brandon Lee Gowton on the pod last week from Bleeding Green Nation, and he was all in on Devontae Smith. Um, and he actually knows football, unlike me. So that was plenty good enough for me. That was very exciting um, that we got the guy that he really wanted. Um, I... I don't know anybody who got drafted after that, but I'm thrilled that the guy at the top was the guy who, you know, that, you know, the, the guy we had on who we actually trust to, to know the birds and to know football really wanted. I feel great about that. Not only Brandon, but uh, I guess a month ago or, or however many weeks ago, we had Tyler Tynes on the podcast and Tyler did a giant feature story where he went to alabama and and profiled Devonte smith so uh read that did you read it now i did read it now and i loved it delightful i had it bookmarked and i wouldn't let myself read it until he was an eagle and he is so i did and it was great speaking of college football that no one cares about my delaware blue hens continue to roll in the fcs playoffs they um won against jacksonville state today and now they're in like the quarterfinals or something and it's very exciting for me and my dad and that's about it so there you go you your dad and joe biden are thrilled about this and maybe now. joe Flacco. he might care a little bit we'll see we'll get him on there what a what a gang <laughs> what a gang yeah. <laughs> um we talked briefly about baseball before the phillies lost things are great um Dan, you have a point to make about when the bullpen's clear. Um, I The floor is yours. Yeah, I, I just want to say, I'll make this really quick. I think that the bullpen's clearing is the most pathetic thing in sports. I mean, they're not doing anything, and they're all, the two teams are next to each other running out there. By the time they get there, it's already over. They look ridiculous. I hate it. You know, it's so far to run that... It's really far. They're running like 400 feet, so... And they're when jogging. They, they're not in the sprint. They're not trying to get in the mix. They want it to be over by the time. Hector Neris, the other night, and Lee was at the game, he got in the mix. He was getting pushed around, and that was fun. Um, but I think a lot of things sound good at, like, foot one. But then when you're at, like, foot 250, you're like, oh, what am I even going to do up there? It's like they're already backing away from each other. What's the point? It's like I have, I have kids. What am I, am I doing this? Um, I always love it. I love a benches clearing stuff in baseball. Like when the Dodgers threw at Victorino in the playoffs, I really enjoyed that. Um, Emily, you saw it live. Uh, was it really exciting? Um, well, it was like half exciting. And also I was coming back from eating a hot dog in the bathroom, but it was really cold and I was eating hot dogs. Hang on. Um, you... We're eating the hot dog in the bathroom, or 
you ate the hot dog and then went to the bathroom and then came back or you went to the bathroom and then got a hot dog and i ate the hot dog in the bathroom because i was cold hang on you were cold in the concourse uh-huh and did you go into a stall what yeah so you were just over the sink while people were walking by <laughs> I was eating my hot dog because it was cold and windy and I wanted to be protected from the wind. And so I ate, the, and then I came back from enjoying my hot dog and the benches had cleared. I think that's great. Perfect. Um, what condiments do you like on a hot dog? <sighs> well, I normally like the raw chopped onions, but they don't put them out because of COVID. So I've had to regress to just ketchup. Ooh, Okay. Something mm-hmm. to know about me, hate ketchup. Don't like it. Mustard only is what Ew. I do. Like yellow mustard? <laughs> I like a spicy brown. I mean, I prefer no mustard ever. Except Damn honey it. mustard. But not on a good. hot dog. Just on chicken Dan, fingers. Dan, how do you eat a hot dog? And have you ever had one in the bathroom? I've never had one in the bathroom, but I will say this. Depending on what you classify... As a condiment, you could very easily say that I do not like any of them. Like ketchup, gross. I love tomatoes, but ketchup, no. Uh, mustard, no. Mayonnaise, no. Any of that. I don't. The chopped onions, I don't know if that's a condiment, but I wouldn't want that on my hot dog. I don't like any of this stuff. So what do you, do you just eat the hot dog plain? Yeah, I see the hot dog plain or like, well, there's a place uh, at Pitt that actually just closed because of the pandemic, which is sad, but it was like, it's been around like forever. Um, and they did like hot dogs and you get it with like, you know, like bacon and cheese and all that. And that mm. all sounds good to me. But I don't, it's, this is not even a hot dog thing. Like I don't like those condiments on anything. Wow. But that also, get, I, I also eat like them tech. You can get bacon hot dogs at Sheets and those are really good. Um, Sheets also weirdly has good potato skins. I shouldn't say that in like Wawa land, but it's true. I listen. I'm in Sheetsland right now, so mm-hmm. I think the that's your past. These are really good. <laughs> um, okay, Dan. There is one more thing on the rundown before preview and predictions. Um, it says Janice Ian slash Nick's girlfriend Julie, same person. General comedy TV talk. What do you want to say? <laughs> yeah, I was just last night. I was watching. I was watching New Girl, which is a uh-huh. great show. And for the first time no 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 um, okay i was just watching it because okay so here's the thing i can't fall asleep without the television on because yeah. if the television is not on all i think about is everything i've ever done wrong in my entire life sure i there. get that yep, yep. Oh, yeah. I also so, sleep with the TV on, so you are it's fine if the tv is not on i will hate myself but before i fall asleep and i'll fall asleep because i'm tired not because i want to fall asleep um but yeah then i i was like you know just kind of hanging there i like to watch like a one full episode and then go to bed um but with the tv still on and i was like oh like you know i've seen this for like the millionth time but i wonder who uh is the actress who plays uh who plays nick's girlfriend julia who's like the lawyer one from season one and and I found her name and then I was like, oh, what else is she in? Because I was like, you know, I had nothing else going on. I was just sitting there before bed. 
And I saw defensive. It's fine. Sure. No, I am defensive because it's weird to just Google <laughs> random things, but I actually do it all the time. So I can't, I'm not going to make excuses. I'm, I'm done with these. I just Google stuff. Uh, and she was also Janice Ian in, uh, in Mean Girls, which is another, I know it's that one of Emily's favorites. It's a great movie. Um, and that was really exciting, exciting for me because when I first started watching New Girl a while ago, I was confused it with Mean Girls, not like conceptually, but just like which name is which. Um, and so I'm really glad there's some crossover between the two of them. Um, this has nothing to do with the Sixers, but uh, what kind of uh, comedy TV shows do you guys like? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to tell a quick story and then Emily can talk about TV. <laughs> um, first time I saw Mean Girls was with a girl that I quote unquote dated in sixth grade, I want to say. Cut to a few months later and she cheated on me. Um, whatever that meant then, it was like around <laughs> the rumor mill and I found out and I, I was heartbroken, whatever. Fast forward another six months, I'm dating a new girl. And it turns, out I, don't, turns out I don't like this person. But I, I was talking to my brother and we had been dating for a little while. And the only relationship I had had, the young lady cheated on me. And then that's the reason it ended because that's how it works in all the movies. And I was talking to my brother and I was dating this new girl. New girl, see, it's like a part of the show. Perfect. And I, I say to my brother, I go, I wanna break up with her, but she hasn't cheated on me yet. So what the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> What is she waiting for? And he was like, no, you can just break up with someone if you want to. I was like, what? Anyway, that's how I learned, learned about Young Love. Emily, what's your favorite TV show? Um, well, <laughs> I have a, I have, first I have a tip for Dan. So what I like to do when watching TV at be, during bed is I like to watch The Great Food Truck Race. And Ooh, you I put, love food trucks. So you put episode one on when you go to sleep. And then by the time you wake up in the morning, it's the finale. And so <laughs> you skip all the stuff in the middle and find out who won. And I've been like going through seasons of like 11 seasons. And so that is a fun way to watch television. Love that. Um, yeah. So that's that. Um, I love New Girl. My favorite television show is Friday Night Lights, but if we're going to talk comedy shows, I'd like to recommend this delightful family comedy called The Unicorn on CBS. It's delightful. Never heard of that. That's on now, right? Because I think you mentioned that last week. Yeah, so there's two seasons. It just finished. It's just one of those shows that's just like light. It's not like good comedy, like like edgy comedy. It's just like stupid family. Like there's a dog named Linda. It's just delightful, um, and he doesn't stress you out, so it's great. That sounds great. Are you guys yeah. into uh, what kind of reality TV other than Bachelor, Bachelorette? Are you guys watching The Circle? This is going to be the yeah. Emily loves reality TV. Emily knows more reality TV than anyone I know. Um, haven't watched the last four of The Circle yet. It's been a really busy weekend, but very into The Circle, very into the challenge All-Stars on Paramount+. Plus. Um, the regular challenge just ended, so that was great. Um, I really wish you guys would watch the challenge. I watched it when I was younger, and there was a guy from Boston that I loved, and he, would beat, the, he would beat the shit out of everybody. It was CT. It was okay. CT. I am, okay. am certain of it. Yeah. He's that, still I, on, so please keep watching it. Oh, wow. Um, 
And I love a catfish. I think we talked about that. I love a catfish. I mean, if From we haven't circle. alienated our whole listener base by now, I mean, who the hell is the listening? Yeah, Are you watching the circle? Yeah. Maybe we can get what's his face from Contra Hawken on the podcast. We can't. The guy who doesn't wear a shirt. Yeah. We can get him. Name? I've met his what's brother once. Mitchell. Mitchell. I've met Ed, though, once at a party. Ed from last year, who was on with yeah. his brother. Yeah, but that's, wow. that's Mitchell's brother. I've met Ed. All right. So we should, we have to get, get Mitchell on the podcast. Dan's excited. Yeah. We're all excited. Um, now on to the predictions preview. <laughs> um, Emily how did we fare last week uh, update the standings please so my plan backfired so you guys both went four and oh and I went three and one even though I said I thought they were going to win all the games but I needed to make a different pick and then I had to pick a loss and it wasn't true so Dan is at 45 and 23 I'm at 42 and 26 and Steve is at 39 and 29. So we're all three games apart, basically. Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, this week, the Sixers play uh, tomorrow night, Monday night, in a back to, the second half of a back-to-back at Chicago. Then they play at Houston on Wednesday. And then they play in a back-to-back at the end of the week at home against the Pelicans and against the Detroit Pistons. Um, I feel like I never go first. I should go first and let you guys think and choose the opposite of what I choose. Okay, so they're, I'm going to pick that they go three and one this week and that they lose to New Orleans in the first game of that back-to-back um, at home. Zion's very tough. Um, yeah, that's what I'll say. Three and one. Lost to New Orleans. Uh, they're damn. winning them all. They're winning them all. Wow. Okay. It's a four and a week. So would that give us an eight-game win streak or more than that? That would, give, that would us give us an eight. eight because yeah, we lost. Um, we lost last uh, Saturday. We got well because last the last we went zero and four. Zero and four, then it was four and zero. Got it. Right. I I mean I don't know if it'll happen, but I not biggest lose to any of these teams. So let's do it four and zero. Emily, you've been playing some strategy lately. Um, what will happen this week? I'm going to pick them to go three and one. What I really need to do is like, I mean, at this point, it's going to be really hard to catch Dan because you're going to have to pick three games different from them and get them all right. And there's only eight left, which is just going to be really difficult. Um, So I, now I just kind of have to like keep you at bay and just solidify (laughs) second. Can we, now that we, we know Steve's in last, can we come up with like a last place punishment? I don't think you know, that. There's nothing I, yeah, I think that you that, get for winning this. You know, I don't want anything that. to win, but I would like a last place punishment. Honestly, I think a punishment, people wouldn't like it. I don't think it's a good idea. I think that <laughs> people, everybody these days, participation trophies, I don't think so. Um, so, Emily, what do you choose? Um, I'm going to say. They lose. These teams are bad. Uh, I'm gonna say they lose to the Pelicans too because they lost to the Pelicans on my wedding day, and <laughs> you'll never forgive them for it. I'll never forgive them. <laughs> it ruined the um, whole day. I can't even say that out loud. It was the best day of my life. Um, but they'll ruin this day when they lose this week. It'll ruin it. So 
Um, yeah, that's that. But right. I, Sam's going to win, and that annoys me because I like to win things. So You just have to go for Hail Mary that final week. No, but then I'm, I'm gonna just gonna have to pick Owen four. Like Owen four, and that's awful, and it's just <laughs> not gonna happen. We'll just have to see. Um, that's it. Uh, I miss you guys. We didn't have a midweek podcast this week. It was a very busy week with New Girl and the challenge and the circle. So you know, we'll be back this week with uh, mm -hmm. another locker room uh, in the middle of the week, and we'll let you know when that is. And uh, I think that's it. Unless you guys have anything else. Nope. Great seeing you both. Um, I will. Uh, I'll see you later on this week, and uh, I'll text you right when we hang up to make sure you got home safe. Bye, guys. Bye. Yeah.